0: Thanks for the uh, applause. That's cool. Right on. Yeah. Let's get started, maybe with some prayer. Um, I know what's going on. It's it, it. It might seem weird to just jump back into a series, um, but I really feel like it's a time to to encourage people. Whether you're a Christian or you're you're, you're maybe you're watching online or maybe you're visiting and. You're not really sure where you stand with all of this. Um, I tell you what, there's no better time than when things go sideways to discuss and to proclaim the goodness of God. I can tell you something. Um, I've found God to be faithful. I've had good times and I've had bad times. I've had my heart broken and destroyed. And one of the things that I've learned, even when it doesn't feel like it, maybe I'll go back to 2011 or 2010 was it, when my wife had her first miscarriage? I didn't even think that could be possible to happen to someone like me. And it happened. And when she came out of the bathroom crying, I realized there's nothing I can do to fix this. And I prayed every kind of prayer you could pray. And I realized this was going to be the way it's going. And I got on my knees and with a faith full of tears and with a heart that was broken, I said, God, you are good. I want to stamp the goodness of God in this moment in my life. And he was there with me. And that was uh, the first of many miscarriages. But I am proclaiming today the faithfulness of God. I have four children, four girls. They're beautiful. They're smart. They're athletic. I don't know. I think they're all going to end up in the Olympics or something. They're all going to end up in ministry or something. I don't know what's going on. But God has done wonderful things for me. And I've found him to be faithful in the good times and in the bad times. I've found him to be God of the mountains and the God of the valleys. And I love him. And in a time like this, maybe maybe you don't like some of the things that's going on worldwide. Pandemic, wars, and rumors of wars and everything else. But I'm telling you something. God is good, and He's faithful, and He's in love with you. And so I want you to know that as the church that these are the times that we are made for. We are made for times like this to shine. Isaiah chapter 61 is referring to the end of times, is referring to the church, and it says, rather, sorry, that's chapter 60, arise, arise. Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, those that don't know God, those that aren't in a covenant with God, those that aren't believers, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, church, kings to the brightness of your rising. See, the thing about God is, not only is he good, his word is good. You know? you could take it to the bank. If I... Wrote you a check today, maybe next week it would be different. And I wrote you a check for a million dollars. We're both gonna be getting a call back from the bank. Cause, cause it ain't gonna clear. Not today. <laughs> you know, and and, and and the guy at the bank would probably say that check was no good. You know, it bounced. Listen. When God writes a check, you can take it to the bank. Probably if I wrote you a check like that today, you're kind of like, I don't know. Listen, let's not treat God's word like that. If he says it, he will do it. He's got the resources. He has the character. He has the ability. He's done it before. And he's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. If he's done it for another, he will do it for you. He will do it today. His word is good. You can count on it. You can believe him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we get to steward and we get to share this time in human history together. Many have declared that this is the end of days. Many prophets. Lord, we know. But Lord, we look to you and we see your goodness. We see your glory. We see your magnificence and we put our trust in you, and we declare that we love you. And I ask you, for those who have not yet encountered the goodness of God, your goodness, Lord, to the measure you wish they would, Lord, let it happen today. And let it happen for the rest of their lives. I just ask you to begin to mark people today with your goodness. Put a stamp at the very base of our being of your goodness. Brand us with your goodness, with your loving kindness and tender mercies. I ask you to release a move of your spirit in this place for these people, in this city, in this province, in this country like never before. In the name of Jesus. You know, I I was thinking back to uh, at the beginning of the year, Pastor Mike said the word of the Lord for this year is 2022, a great year. And I realized what that meant. I realized that it would be easy to confuse that with a lot of good things just happening out of the blue for you. He didn't say that you'd be lucky this year. I don't know about luck. I don't know how it works. I haven't ever been lucky. But I know what it's like to be blessed. You know? And listen. Listen. The blessing operates when things don't go well. Come on. I'm not trying to, you know, necessarily manipulate the circumstances and situations to line up with all my wishes and wants. But listen, I have a blessing on my life. The church has a blessing on it. Come on. Because we walk with Jesus. And so I want you to know, sometimes the circumstances are not ideal at first glance. But as we just read in Isaiah chapter 60, it's exactly the ideal time on God's watch for the church to rise up and to start shining. Let's experience this God who is good this morning. I was thinking about... The message Pastor Brian preached last week on the goodness of God, that his goodness or the word good appears in the Bible 800 plus times. The scripture that I love, Psalm 119, 68, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your word. Teach me your ways. Teach me your wisdom. I like this because... Hopefully it challenges the way we may have been brought up or to, to think about how goodness works. Many of us think that we have to do good many days in a row or consecutive acts of goodness to be considered good. But that's backwards. God never did that. He started off being good and then... He rolled out the good things that he did. He rolled out with the good things that he says. Out of his being comes his doing. So the scripture is clear that God is good and then he does good. He's not trying to prove how good he is to anybody by the things that he does. It just so happens that he's so good, he can't help but do good things. Is that making sense? I feel like I'm like, come on. You know, it might feel like a bit of a heavy note this morning, but listen, I am so impressed with Jesus, I can't help it. This scripture, you are good and what you do is good, is not just, I want it to be comfort to you. I want it to be inspirational to you. But above that... I want it to happen to you. When you have faith, the scripture says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's when it becomes real. That's when it comes out of the hope department into I'm experiencing this now department. It happened to me. I can tell you something. The goodness of God has happened to me. Because the good God has happened to me. So I want us to not just experience good things from God. I want us, because we need that, and that's good. But I want us to even move beyond that, like you're wading, you know, through through waters, and experience the good God. I think of it this way. As I'm teaching my kids about family and about love and about uh, honor and, and, and these kinds of things, something f- funny happens. It probably happens to you. If they know you're coming home with pizza and you walk through the door, pizza's here. If they know you're coming home with treats or lollipops, the treats are here. You know it's like Jenna is <laughs> laughing. And I'm okay with it, but I know I need to teach them more. Yes, I'm good, and I'm, I'm doing good for them, but I want them to have moments where they see my heart of hearts that I love them. I want them, you know, dad's home, you know? <laughs> Come on. I'm not worried about them. Come on, they're small, right? They're, they're excited about pizza. I get it, right? You know, but I don't know how much time I have with them. And what I want to impart on them is how much they are loved, not how much pizza I can bring in. It's not that great to bring it in that much, you know, because it can't all be about the treats, and it can't all be about what I can do for you. Eventually, it's got to get to the point where it's just beyond anything you can do for me. I love you. You know, And it's my job as a dad to teach this and to exemplify this because babies, although they're very cute, they scream at night oftentimes. They mess the diaper, and sometimes it goes up the back, and they cost money, and sometimes you have a moment where they smile at you. And everybody else sees how cute your kid is because you bring them out to church or wherever you are. Like, oh, it's a great, beautiful kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why God made them so cute. So you just, you know, you just chill out about all the work and all the money. But, you know, are you with me with that one? That's just a theory, you know, that's. But before they can do anything for me, I'm loving them. Before they were conceived, I was loving them. While my wife was pregnant, I was loving them. Before I knew what they looked like, if they would be cute or what, before I knew if they would be healthy or not, I was loving them. Right? That's that's the way God views you. And eventually we get to the point where we start doing that back. Because you're good beyond anything you can do for me. And I don't care if this happens or that happens. I'm at the point where if I have you, I have more than enough. And it's funny because when you get there, everything else seems to be taken care of. I don't, you know, and it's scriptural. Jesus said, seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I think it's when we get past the agendas of anything God has promised, he has no problem hitting you with that promise, hitting you with that healing, hitting you with that financial breakthrough, hitting you with the relationship you've been asking, hitting you for health, hitting you, giving you these things. He has no problem. He actually already paid the price for it. It's on the table for you. The issue is sometimes if we make an idol out of what he can do for us, and that gets in the way. And what I found is when we remove these things on our end, he's, pour, he's, he's always been pouring it out and it's no longer blocked and you just start having abundance in every area of life because he's good and he does good. I want the goodness of God to happen to you. So we're going to talk a little bit about this today and, and, and maybe some of the mechanics of how that works Psalm 27 is my favorite psalm. The last couple of verses tops it all off. And this is King David praying, and he says, and he just makes a declare a declaration, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I just love that. What a way to sign off a prayer. So one of the things you have to see that's key here is David is exerting faith. I believe I'm going to see it. In the land of the living, that means before I die. I don't want to wait. Do you know you do not have to wait to enter the light at the end of the tunnel? That is meant to be for you in the land of the living while you have breath. And he'll do it for you because he loves you. He's already provided that for you. And David is just saying, that's what I want. That's real faith. It takes boldness to tell God that. It takes boldness to be so blessed and then turn around and say, Lord, more. Why? Because you start to get who he is. He has no problem with more. That's his favorite measurement. More, too much, abundance, overflow. The Scripture's filled with that. Come on. He, my cup runs over. Come on. And so, when we realize that, uh, that, that David wasn't just talking about, I want good things to happen to me, this is how we're going to get there. He wanted to look upon. He wanted to see the goodness of God. He wanted to experience God. Watch this. In Exodus chapter 33, we're going to talk about Moses for a second and see how all of this meshes together. Exodus 33, 17 to 19, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses turned around and said, now show me your glory. The Lord just told him he was going to bless him to, with, with the promised land, with his presence and everything else. Another translation says, you have found grace in my sight. So what does Moses say? He didn't say, well, thank you very much, kind sir. He asked for more. He's like, yeah, I found grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this to the limit. Come on, I'm going to push this beyond the limits. Show me your glory. Come on, they knew back then that if you saw the glory of God, you'd be toasted. You'd be, you wouldn't be able to withstand the magnificence that radiates from him. But Moses just heard from God's mouth that he has found grace in his sight. So obviously, there's a way where Moses could experience his glory, come on, and live to tell about it. Moses says, "Now show me your glory." I don't think he sounded mousy in that moment. No, show me because it wasn't faith. Okay. Now show me your glory. It was the heart cry of a man who was starving for more of God. It was the heart cry of a man that knew that God, if he showed up before him, wouldn't kill him because he's good and he loves him. And I want us to echo that same heart cry. Show me your glory. So what does the Lord turn around and say? And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Moses said, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to show you my goodness. Show me your glory. I'll show you my goodness. His glory is his goodness. His goodness is his glory. And in addition, I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'm going to mark you with my name is what he's saying. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And in the next chapter, we see what happens when God answered this prayer. Then the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Two things happened. He stood with him there, and then he spoke to him. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in goodness. Abounding in it, overflowing with it, radiating it. Goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That last part might throw you for a loop. Wait, you'll forgive, but you won't clear? It's talking about two different sets of people. There are those who come to him and get forgiveness, but there are maybe another set that think God's just going to sweep it under the carpet. He doesn't operate like that. He's not going to ignore it. He's not going to wink at it. He's not going to pretend. He's not going to ignore the elephant in the room. But he will forgive it. He's just bring it to him. It's, it's an act of repentance. That's how good he is. Hopefully that helps you there. So Pastor Brian talked about goodness last week, and he defined it very well. But goodness, if you think about it, Yes, it's him holding true to his word. Yes, it's him saying something and having the character to carry it through. Sometimes you might know a person when they make you a promise, you don't think much of it. You take it with a grain of salt, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Maybe you've lent somebody money and you thought, I might not see that again. Right? They don't have the character. But God has the character. When he says something, he has the character to be faithful to it and see it through to the end. He has the ability. He has the resources. He has the time. He has the availability. And he cares about you. Sometimes there's a person with good, okay, character. You know, they got the resources, but they don't necessarily love you, and so it's on their timetable. You know, or it's whenever they think about it, or it's this and that. Or it it just gets forgotten about. But God never stops thinking about you and he thinks good thoughts toward you and so his character is good his his word is good his his ability is good his resources are good because he is good so let's talk about when we are experiencing a god who is good we are going to experience the glory of god because his glory is his goodness the glory can be defined a lot of ways, and I can take a long time to explain it, but I'll try to give you a simple version of it. The glory of God is when he manifests himself to you in a way that's completely undeniable. And what we just read, he was so amazing, he he had to descend in a cloud, okay? He's not the cloud. He's the one who's in the cloud. That's how amazing he is. He has to be, come on. wrapped himself in a cloud. So think about this. The glory of God is his best. It's his brightness. It's his power. It's his person. And so his person is good. Do you know his glory is good? And his goodness is glory? I know I'm I'm repeating that. I'm repeating that for a reason because I need you to see the connection here. When David was saying, I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, what he was saying was, I believe to see the glory of God in the land of the living before I die. He started off Psalm 27 talking about being surrounded by enemies. He talked about being on the verge of war. He talked about being hemmed in. And he's saying, I believe I'm going to see the goodness of God before I die. So all these guys surrounding me, I'm going to see the glory of God first. And David got out of that situation and probably about 50 others just like it because in those moments, he believed he would see the glory of God. Come on, when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he was talking to Lazarus' sister and uh, he said, didn't I tell you you would see the glory of God? And then he raised him from the dead. Come on. <laughs> they, they, they talked about um, the man that was born blind. And, and so who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, no, nah, neither. But so that you would see the glory of God. Maybe you got a situation. Maybe you got a circumstance. And it's time to say, I need to see the goodness of God. I need to see the glory of God. I need him to show up. One of my favorite uh, psalms as well is Psalm 91 where he says, you will call to me and I will answer you and I will say, here I am. He doesn't answer you from far away. He shows up and says, here I am. I love that. So in Exodus 13, we look at how the children of Israel and Moses were, were walking with the Lord. And the Lord went before them by day. In a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they may travel by day and by night. That's the glory of God. But it's not so much the cloud, it's not so much the fire, it's the one who's within the fire. That's what Moses was saying. Moses was in the cloud for like 40 days. By the time he asked to see him, he's stuck in the cloud. I'm sure the cloud was amazing. I'm sure, like, his face went numb, and he felt all, like, I mean, just, he wasn't even hungry, he was fasting, but, like, I mean, he was he was good to go, because he went down the mountain, had to go back up for another 40 days, he didn't have time for a sandwich. That's 80 days. But in the glory of God, it's not a problem. And so Moses is saying, you know, in that cloud, it's not a problem, but Moses is saying, I want to see you. Come on, I love that. I want to see you, Lord. I'm on, the cry of our heart in Ottawa today, the cry of our heart at Capital City, of the people that are here today, Lord, I want to see you. And uh, look at this in 1 Kings 8, uh, chap- uh, chapter 8, verses 10 to 12. And when the priests came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, saying, the Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. Isn't that awesome? He's so amazing, he wraps himself in a cloud. But there he is. And you might be wondering, why are you spending so much time talking about the glory of God and the goodness of God and going in the Old Testament? Well, let me tell you something. There's a reason why those things were there. They were pointing forward to something extravagant. Let's look at Let's look at where this all culminates. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. This is in the ESV. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Now listen to this. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the brightness. Other translations say things like he is the brightness of the glory of God. He is the best part of the glory of God. He is the shimmer in the glory of God. And we're talking about a person. We're talking about a man. Jesus is the best part of the glory of God, according to Scripture. And the glory of God is the goodness of God. Jesus is the best part of God's goodness to you. I'm serious about that. Uh, I mean that with all of my being. If you are going to experience the goodness of God, you're going to have to experience a person named Jesus. he is willing, he is able, he loves you enough to come to you, to save you, to heal you, to make you his. It's not just what he can do for you. He wants to make you his bride, the bride of Christ. He wants to make you a son and give you a seat at the table. He wants to make you the righteousness of God in Himself so that when you go to God, you go to God the way Jesus goes to God. When, when the Father hears your prayer, it's just like hearing Jesus pray. That's what, he, that's what He accomplished on the cross. We'll talk about the cross in half a second. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the goodness of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's the cross in that same set of scriptures. He's not just a nice guy, he's not just a great guy. He died for you. That's God at his best on that cross when he didn't belong there. He was there because of you. He was there because of me. He was there to bleed and die and cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was there to declare it is finished. And that is God at his best. That is the best part of the goodness of God. That is the best part of the glory of God. What he did, because he's good, he did something good on that cross. And we find all of the promises of God are yes in Him and amen in Him. So listen, if you don't know, the promises of God are healing, everlasting life, reconciliation, restoration, miracles, signs, and wonders, delivering you from a vain life. That means a life that may not be worth living, and He'll give you purpose. He'll align you with your destiny. He'll endorse you He'll endorse you so hard, every rejection falls off of you. He'll bring you home so powerfully that every abandonment means nothing anymore. He doesn't just give you a better day. He gives you a brand new life. The Scripture said, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You're born again. What that means, you've got a brand new start. You've got a brand new life. You can walk with Him forever. you come, be, you become a whole new creation. That's the Scripture. I will tell you something. If God is not good, you should not serve Him. But He is good, so you should serve Him. If you don't have an experience of His goodness for yourself, you can have one just by asking. The, the the testimonies I love the most are when people are not, not even necessarily at a church service. They're just maybe in their room alone, and they're they're saying, God, if you're really good and you're really there, I need you now. I need you right now. And then you hear testimony after testimony where he shows up because he's faithful. And then lives get changed that way. God often expresses his goodness to you in good things like healing. And we need those things. I want healing. I want a greater measure of walking in health, the gifts of the Spirit and, you know, serving him and seeing miracles. And I want that. I want that. I want more of that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that and wanting more of that. And the way that that happens is putting him above it and seeking him beyond it. And just getting to the point where you're at square one with Jesus, and that's it, and everything else flows from there. The highest expression of God's goodness is Jesus, is knowing Him. Because He's a person, you can know Him. Because He's a person, you can talk to Him and He will speak back. Because He's a person, He can touch you. I think about the intrinsic goodness of the person of Jesus Christ this is why i like esteeming jesus be above and beyond anything he can do for us because you can be healed today and then tomorrow how do you connect to that experience It happened yesterday, right? And the only way to really connect again is maybe get healed for something else or something else happens down the line, right? Or or he blesses you financially or you have a breakthrough or or, or you get healthier with your heart and your mind and, and, and the way that you view the world and everything else. But those experiences belong to moments in time. And time is marching forward. But when you encounter the goodness of God in the person of Jesus, who's always alive, he ever lives, he'll be with you forever. You can have a continuation of the experience of God's goodness in a person instead of just moments. Many believers, I'm not pointing any fingers, and, you know, maybe I've been guilty of this at times as well. We go from moment to moment, But I'm telling you, he wants to abide with you, and he wants you to abide with him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's all over the Scripture, this concept of being glued together. We cling to him. Isn't that interesting? So we can't cling to a moment, but we can cling to him. We can cling to a person. I'm not saying you can't remember. And the only way you can go back, like you can remember it. You can you can be really good at remembering. You can remember so hard it's like it's happening right now. But it's not the same. But when a person who is living is walking with you through time, you have him forever. And that means he's able to save you eternally. It's not just the good things he can do here. But when it's my time to go, we're still together. It's everlasting. Because I talked about Lazarus who was raised from the dead, but Lazarus eventually had himself a funeral. But he's walking with Jesus now, right? It's not all about what happens here. And so think about, I want you to think about your eternity. I want you to think about the magnificence of the person of Jesus and how much he loves you. And if you're you're struggling with this concept of the goodness of God, I dare you. You don't even have to say it out loud. Lord, is is that true? Are you good? Will you show me your glory? If so, I want it. You do that. Something's going to happen. You will experience the goodness of God. I'm proclaiming this to you because it happened to me. Jesus happened to me, and everything he purchased for me has happened to me. Come on. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Jesus, you are alive. Jesus, you send us the Holy Spirit so that he can connect us with you. We can have moments or we can have forever. Lord, today we are choosing forever. We want to host you. And this is how awesome the gospel is. He'll come toward you. He'll minister to you from without and, and and from the outside in, but he'll also be Christ in you, the hope of glory. He'll also move in. That's forever. He moves in. He moves in with his kingdom. He moves in with his love. He moves in with his goodness. That's why one of the fruit of the spirit is goodness. We like to focus on love. Like I mean, trust me, love is love is important. Patience is important. But do you know? One of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, because goodness moves in. And this is the fruit that you will show over time. This is what people will be able to pick off of your life and have a bite. I think it's just amazing that God will produce goodness through you. And so not only are you receiving God's goodness, but you're now able to share it. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come right now and touch us. Make real the gospel. Make real the truth that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, that he loves us, that the Father loves us, that you love us, and you can change everything with your presence, with making real to us, A covenant with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe He's releasing that right now. Some of you are receiving ministry from the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your glory. Thank you for releasing your goodness. Those of you online, bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the heavens are open. Thank you for receiving us. Now I'll just ask you at this point to stand. If you would, we're gonna hey, we're gonna make a a declaration. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, you know, maybe maybe you were walking with Jesus in a way that I talked about, but maybe things got a little bit disconnected over time or something happened or. Listen, today is the day of salvation. The scripture says, He who has the Son has life. And I want to point this out to you. It's not about believing the right things as much. You've got to believe the right things. Trust me about Jesus. That he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for my sin, that his blood was shed for the remission of sins, and that, you know, he was buried and raised to life, and that he ascended into heaven, and he's coming soon. That's the truth, and we need to believe that. But there's one more important element. You have to receive him. He who has the Son has life, and the Holy Spirit will do that for you. And if you felt like maybe you got caught up in traditions and religion and all this stuff and maybe this didn't really ring true yet for you, I'm telling you today is your day. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. So we'll say this prayer together where you can formally declare your faith in Jesus. Let's read this together. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, help me learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me. Wonderful.